All right. So good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. We welcome back one more again for the Chi and Khalil show. Oh, God. Khalil's here. Chisaraku's here. What's and up? we're about to do this one time for the West Side because that's how we do. That's how we do. All right. So what's going on? I don't even know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it so always let's just always say rappers are Mm-mm. not the always the best role models <laughs> and the ones who are on drugs really are on drugs <laughs> no but for real like so number one little wayne has not ever oh. he's never been actually a black rapper anyways right he what, is what, what does that even mean a black okay. rapper so, <laughs> so so this i'm sorry okay so that's that's not the way i meant to say it mm-hmm. so what i'm saying is that he produces music for white people so he produces pop music um, that's mo- mostly purchased by white people. And the drive for his music is driven by white supremacy and what they want to hear black people say. And wouldn't you argue that that's basically the music industry for the most part? Yeah. And okay. it's, um, there was a really good disposition on this. I'm going to find it and we'll put it in the notes, but cool. it's okay. To, it's you're pushing the narrative. This is a this is someone who actually got Walmart to stop selling gangster rap, and people are upset about it because um, he's actually a, a white dude. But anyways, his main goal, his main point was it shouldn't be okay to. Well, he had two points. One, you know, he still say freedom of speech, and you can make the music, but we mm-hmm. still shouldn't. We should still be able to criticize it and try to stop people from buying it if you're promoting violence towards black men, right? So, or black people, or just people in general. Mm-hmm. So the majority of mainstream rap normalizes violence towards black people, um, sexual violence towards black women and physical murdering of other black males. Okay. And it's so normalized that we think it's a thing and it should be sold mainstream and it shouldn't be. So anyways, little Wayne has always been that. I mean, in 2016, he was saying that, you know, black lives matter doesn't apply to him because he's rich. So it doesn't really matter. So I don't understand oh, why he's now he trying to say that. that right. Whole, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, same kind of OJ thing. Like when he was saying, I'm not black, I'm OJ. Right. And then he realized that when his ex-wife died, he was the black male because he was always going to be the main suspect, no matter what the evidence was. And- Which, I mean, just just an, um, a quick interruption with that OJ thing. I always thought that was interesting that he was like, I'm not black, I'm OJ. And I get why he said that. And there there are parts of me that believe like, well, I don't even like all the labels that we have for everything anyway, but it's like, I get that. It's like, stop seeing me as this, as blackness because how white people define blackness is like, is to the extent at the antithesis of whiteness, right? Yeah. This is the whiteness ideology. I'm not speaking of all white people, you know what I'm saying? But like to say I'm OJ, I'm not black is like, Stop labeling me as something that you think is derogatory. Just see me as human. I'm not saying that's what OJ said, but I can I can sort of um, transfer my thinking onto that statement and say like, yeah, just see me as human because this extra labeling that you got going on is depriving you of the full experience of me, which also then deprives me of my own full experience because I'm constantly coming up against your crazy resistance. Like when um your boy, we'll bring up your boy Will Smith again because I know you like talking. Oh, about Will, yeah. So when he did the Western, 
Um, oh, he was the main character. That was a low career. point in his career. No, no. One, I, no, it wasn't. It was the peak of his career. He got paid a lot of money for that. Go ahead, Will. Like, yeah, whatever. Anyways, I mean, you should be able to do whatever kind of movie you want to do. Yeah, you should. Yeah, you right. should. It's mm-hmm. whatever. But no, it was funny when he was talking about he was getting cast and the people mm-hmm. approached him and he was like, well, you know, I'm black, right? And then the producer was like, well, nobody notices. <laughs> mm. Oh, that's what they call colorblind. That's that. That's that. Not uh, colorblind nonsense. No, they were basically okay. saying like, "Will you transcended race? Like, you know, you you hit the crossover like maximum." Wow. But you see, but you see how then that's a denial of of him, of the right. fullness of his his being. It's like no, you've you've transcended race. You're not. You're not. You're not one of them. <laughs> right. And what is that, how's that yeah. supposed to make you feel, you know? Like, I don't know if you've gotten this growing up or even now. It's like, oh, but you're not like those other Black people. Have you? Uh, yeah. I I'm have. Not, always. I'm not going to be able to. I'm not, I'm not. I'm trying to be happy this morning. I'm trying not to. <laughs> so that's something I'm going to have to talk about. Away. Okay. <laughs> talk about a different show when, yeah, people say, you're like, you're not like those other coloreds. Right. Yeah. Like, it's a but compliment. Like, like right. it's a compliment. It's not. It's yeah. not. Right. It's, anyway, Little Wayne. Sorry. Yeah. So he came out uh, supporting Trump and his platinum plan. Blah blah blah. <laughs> so it, it's it's just a joke. So, and also Trump isn't actually trying to get black supporters. I don't think that's the purpose of all. No, that. it's not. What he's trying he to do wants is the black vote and them. and to keep people from going to the voter polls or to the people who white people who want to vote for him who want to still think that they're not racist. This helps support them, saying like, look. I'm voting for the one that black people actually like, because look at all these black rappers who support mm, it. Mm. That's what it's really doing, because yeah. the civil rights movement wasn't great at getting rid of racism, but it's made it so that being racist is unpopular to the point that even like alt-right people claim they're not racist. Yes. So yes. They, people still want to be racist, yeah. have racist thoughts and racist feeling, racist action, but don't want to be labeled as racist. Yeah. Was it, was, were we talking about the militia um, earlier this week and like how there was there was this whole video that was done um, where they were interviewing different um, militia groups. Right. But these are white militia groups. These are like, you know, basically domestic terrorists. They've got their guns. They're exercising their their Second Amendment rights and whatnot. And one of the the newscasters or reporters was asking them, do you consider these groups racist? And she was like, well, some of them are and some of them aren't. And then he asked her a more pointed question I can't remember. And it was basically admitting that she's a racist, right? Like, and it was like, but she would not call herself that. But she would say that she's not. And, you know, they will come to the protests and say that they're making sure that there's no violence and looting. And I'm like, how are you going to come to a protest where nobody is armed but you with militaristic weapons? I don't see how that's protecting the peace. Anyway. Our country was built on the fact that all men are created equal and we (laughs) have slavery. So that's that's how your people go through that cognitive dissonance. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, because you know, I mean, like, you, I don't understand how they wrote that in their first line and then try to say, like, oh yeah, we're going to put slavery in here, but we're all created equal. But yeah. Yeah, well, you know, they had the science to back it up. Then the pseudoscience. See, they're more interested in pseudoscience than real science. Well, well also, <laughs> also the also the Tom Furtheries. They only allowed like three to five percent of the population to vote, even though all men right. were created equal, and we're doing this right. for representative government. But right. we're basically just making a new ruling class, and the rest of y'all can kick rocks and make us right. 
anyway. So the Constitution was imperfect. I think everybody needs to just acknowledge it was imperfect, but some people don't. And the, they call themselves originalists on the Supreme Court or constitutionalists but, for that matter. Yeah, but but it's not. It's bullshit because Scalia wasn't actually for the actual original Constitution. He was a he was just for the parts that he agreed with. Worked in his favor. Like, yeah. Like mm-hmm. He tried to claim that freedom of religion doesn't give you a right to be an atheist. That's an official opinion on his point. That even though they say that you have freedom of religion, it doesn't give you freedom from religion. So if you're atheist or humanist or anything that's not Jewish or, or, or Christian. Christian, then you don't actually have a right to your right. religious beliefs. So this, this is a good effect. Like he, Scalia is not an originalist. He just mm-hmm. wants he just wanted to be racist and mm-hmm. be a horrible person. And he picked the parts of the constitution that, you know, agreed with that. And the parts that don't like, like, I don't understand how anyone could read the constitution and say that freedom of religion doesn't apply to atheists or agnostics or anyone else that it only applies right. to Christians and Jewish people. Right. And, and if you're going to call yourself an originalist, like the new, um, uh, justice associate justice on the, on the bench, then when the constitution says all men are created equal, you kind of got to go with the guys or the people who have penises. <laughs> I'm, just, right. I'm just saying, right? Like well, technically. Like, so well, actually, all women. well, it doesn't actually, well, the other thing is that if you're originalist, it doesn't say whether women are above the men or below the men. It so only talks argue about that women are just superior and all men are created equal, but subordinate to women. Right. That's, That's crazy. Anyways. But anyways, yeah. Uh, so we talk about some positive things. Did you see your girl? I'm going to mess up her name, but Kiaja Gabrell, when she was talking to the uh, border commissioners. Yes. Go ahead. I think she's like 22, 23. Right. <laughs> so- like I love everything about one. Like everything's awesome. Like she's actually yes. kind of kind of acting polite while she's like kind of acting polite. <laughs> and then also, I love the fact that she doesn't have notes on paper. No, like she's no. just reading from her phone. Like whenever she <laughs> needs to refer to something, she goes to her just phone, scroll up, scrolls a little bit. It's like and you, and if you haven't heard it. Like she just basically goes to the border commissioners and tells them about themselves and tells them how they're a terrorist organization, and mm-hmm. then goes in individually and tells people about themselves and why. All of them. Right. All and of them. So thank you afterwards and walks away. Yeah. Then she ends with scripture. <laughs> <laughs> and all God's people said, amen. And <laughs> she got up and left. There was nothing else. Amen. amen. That's the best two minutes and 20 seconds. I mean, like it's, it's a, it's a one-on-one course on how to read somebody, like you said, politely or read a group <laughs> of somebody's. <laughs> like wow now that was good stuff that was that was positive news for the week all right so rona cases are going back up to a record level yeah and i know that we're less afraid of it now because it's been going on for a while but once again like kind of stay away from people when it's unnecessary but wear your mask in public like it's really basic stuff like basic. when it's necessary <laughs> no i mean like don't go trick-or-treating right like have oh. a little party with Wait, like one you're going to stop us from trick or treating, Khalil? Yes. Like, I mean, no. what about the kids? Exactly. I mean, what about our constitutional right to eat candy? Yeah. So the kids probably want their grandparents around. Um. So I don't know. And also, they probably don't want to get like the long term random effects that we don't really like autoimmune diseases and permanent lung damage, etc. 
because even like we like i said we've been talking about the death toll but mm-hmm. we still don't know the long-term effects of how many people are going to be like kind of permanently disabled right of long-term immuno um deficiency to, or autoimmune diseases decreased lung capacity etc 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 no you're right the pre what what most folks are saying is that if you have a coronavirus when i say most folks i mean scientists um the medical community is that you have corona coronavirus or you've had it you now have a pre-existing condition so every day we are getting more and more individuals with pre-existing conditions, technically pre-existing conditions due to the coronavirus. The issue (laughs) that I was thinking about, and this is my cynicism coming out, it was like, oh crap, the insurance companies are probably figuring out right now and have been since the beginning of this pandemic, how do we charge a premium to these people who now have these pre-existing conditions because we're going to have to pay for it. We got to figure out a way not to pay for it or figure out a way to make it look like we're paying for some, but not for the other. This is how crazy complicated and warped our healthcare system is. Yo, and thank you very much for going up. Cause I want to bring up Leslie Stahl. So Leslie Stahl is trash. Mm-hmm. So who's Leslie Stahl? That's oh, never mind. Interview. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. you can't go and like, Hey, are you ready for some tough questions? And then not actually really be tough. So one, like, Donald oh, come Trump, on. Yeah. But this has been the last five years with no, this but, man. I know, but but no, but she wasn't actually tough. Like, so when. Right, exactly. When, when she brought up like, hey, when are you going to see your, your healthcare plan? And he's like, well, we're waiting to see what happens with the Supreme Court with Obamacare. That is the dumbest answer. That goes back to like Mike Pence's like, why didn't you wear a mask? Oh, because I want to look people in the eye. So <laughs> Trump, there's no reason for Trump to wait to see what happens with the Supreme Court and Obamacare, if he has this plan, like remember in 2016 when he was running, he said, we have the best plan ever. We're going to release it as soon as I win the election, right? Mm-hmm. Still haven't released it. So if he had a plan that was really that much better than Obamacare where you'd get better coverage with less money, but still protect pre-existing conditions, et cetera, et cetera, he should have already put it through Congress so people could start debating whether it is, whether what it's going to do, what it's not going to do, put amendments in. That's how actually like a major, major bill would get. Would get. Right. Because the thing right. about healthcare, like you're going to have to have this thousand page, three thousand, four thousand page actual document to actually run all of healthcare. Because like Donald Trump said when he had an epiphany in when in 2017, he was like, oh, nobody knew healthcare was this complicated. Yes, well, we I mean, this complicated. So that's why if you really had a plan, you would have put it out. Congress would have actually debated it. And that's the thing. The Republicans don't actually want to get rid of Obamacare because mm-hmm. when they, they repealed it several times when Obama was president without a problem, when they had control of the Congress, um, they still had control of the Congress when Donald Trump was um, originally in office in the first couple of years and they couldn't repeal the Obamacare. Do you know why? Because they knew they didn't have a guaranteed veto. Once the guaranteed veto was gone, all of a sudden the senators were like, wait a minute. If we get rid of this, there's going to be some real problems. Like we can talk, like we like the fact that healthcare is a problem and we can criticize it and blame the black dude, but we don't actually have a plan to get it better. Like, and the Affordable Care Act actually made it things better. And we can't go back to what it was before because that was even worse trash. So mm-hmm. now that we don't have the guaranteed veto, Let's go ahead and not repeal it, right? Like it's a joke. So Leslie Saul should have just said, "You are a joke. This is a joke that you have a healthcare plan." To argue that you have to wait for the Supreme Court is just asinine. You don't have a plan. You lied to the American people 
Why do you continue to lie? Why do you think that we are so stupid that you can't make up a decent lie? Like that would have been yeah. questions. But 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 Khalil, That's the questions. He, he he in this in this in this episode is acting like a politician, right? Like you never want to show your full hand. You always say wait. Even when it comes to civil rights, like any kind of civil right. The what have the politicians in power said or at least the presidents, they have said wait wait, we can't do it yet. Wait, wait, wait. Now they might've been saying wait because they weren't ready to do anything or like Trump, they're just saying wait because they know people will, as long as there's something to look forward to, they, people will just go along. But once there is something to look at, to tear apart or to praise, then it's over. The charade is done. He can keep the charade going. It's the same thing with his taxes, right? Like he's like, well, we have to wait for the audit to be complete before I can show you my full taxes. So you're waiting, waiting, waiting. You're just going to keep waiting for Godot and the bus is never going to arrive. N- neither is Godot, right? Waiting, like waiting, waiting for Godot. We bring up. <laughs> one of the best, one of the best plays out there. I mean, what was it Tom Stoddard? Because he did Rosencrantz and Guildenstern were dead. I, I cracked. I still read that just to laugh. But anyway, no, for real, like. He, he, as long as it's a wait message that he's giving, because I've, I've not heard any of the Republicans say, wait, wait, wait on this. But as right. long as he's saying, wait, people be like, just wait. He needs to really work I, it out. I understand. I understand that he's being a politician. But what I'm saying is Leslie Stahl is not actually asking tough questions because yeah. you're letting him give like BS answers, like blatantly BS answers. You obviously you'd never had a plan. And that's okay. Politicians lie sometimes. You give fake promises, but we really wonder why, where this is, because you you're not going to be able to go back to the objectivity or subjectivity of the whole um, journalistic enterprise, right? Because if somebody says, "No, I'm sorry, that's not a good answer. That was that was horrible. That was whatever label you want to put on it," then it's immediate opinion. You're not listening to me. Oh, that's that's, with your liberal thinking or conservative thinking. But the thing is, that's not an opinion. That's just abstract fact. So if you're allowing people to lie, you're not being objective. You're siding with the liar. So it's not saying you're not losing any journalistic credibility by just calling people out on blatant lies. Because you're not arguing, well, a construct, like a an actual complex thing. Like You're not arguing over whether his bill is better than the other one. You're just right. saying, obviously, you did not have a plan. <laughs> right, right. Until you give me a plan... I have to conclude that in four years ago, when you were running, you said you had a plan. We haven't seen one. So you. Nobody's willing to do that, Khalil. But I think mean, that, is being, Nobody's doing that yeah. is being objective or being tough. Like you can't open saying, like, hey, I'm going to be tough and then just do softball questions and yeah. softball answers and let bullshit walk. Right. That's right. <laughs> let bullshit walk. <laughs> I just had an image and I was like, wow, that's just. <laughs> But can can I say on the coronavirus because I was having a I was having a quote unquote discussion um, with someone earlier this week about what apparently number forty five had been saying about how we're always testing 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 and that's how we have more cases and apparently number forty five was talking about how other countries he was comparing other countries and saying that other countries don't count every death with somebody having coronavirus and another condition as a coronavirus case, only the U.S. does. So if somebody in, say, Italy or France or Nigeria has coronavirus but also has cancer and dies, right, he's saying that Nigeria, France, um, or the other country that I mentioned was not um, counted it as cancer. 
and not as coronavirus, whereas we are counting it as um, coronavirus. And that's one problem that he was cite- or potentially citing as an issue. The The second was that we're doing too much testing. If we keep testing, we're, we're always going to have more cases. So this person I was talking to was arguing, I can see why your president would be saying that those those two issues are the reason why it's always in the news, always in the news, always in the news. And I said, time out. <laughs> this is the reality. We don't have to compare ourselves to other countries. We can just compare ourselves to ourselves, right? We have not only the, the, the know-how, the scientific knowledge, we do have the resources. We just refuse to deploy them. So, but here's the thing with, with those, with those arguments, right? Like we need to test. So we know what our issue is. Forget what everybody else's issue is. What, where do we stand? Right. And yes, we are going to see more cases if we test more. That's objective fact. But right? how, wait, hold because, on, time out. because time we're out. not wearing masks or standing six feet away, we are definitely going to see more cases. How, how soon do we need to get the test results back, Shane? You should be able to get the results back in the same day, latest 48 hours. We can't even do that because, again, he's he's not deployed a national strategy or allowed for resources to be deployed in a way that will allow us to get that testing done, right? Because what's the actual point of getting the test done? <laughs> the thing that's really going to help with the numbers if, because no, seriously. So if you get it, if you get, if we have more people tested and you had your results in 24, 48 hours, what does that help? You can quarantine. And you could prevent the spread of what is happening of the coronavirus. Thank you, Chief. 100%. Thank you. Hallelujah. <laughs> say amen. That, that is common sense. And that's why when somebody comes in and is like, well, yeah, but he's saying that you guys are testing too much. And that's why. You- no, no. Testing lets you know what you have so you can deal with it. Instead, so, what Trump is doing, what number 45 is doing is saying you're testing, you're showing to you're showing that there's a problem. If you stop showing that there's a problem, there wouldn't be a problem. That's a problem. Him, can you call him by his, his proper name? His name is Tupe Fiasco. He worked hard <laughs> to get that name by making fun of everyone else and having a horrible Tupe. So let's just give the man his due respect. His name is Tupe Fiasco. Sorry, I, I interrupted. Him. But you know that anyway. My point being, like the, those who have this argument that, like, yeah, we're talking about coronavirus too much and whatnot. That that maybe maybe we are. Maybe we shouldn't talk about the fact that there are over two hundred and thirty thousand people who are dead now. That we have more than eight million people, eight million cases in this country. Maybe we don't need to talk about that every day. But so, but what we do need to talk about is how we stop that number from climbing. Right. And like you said, rapid testing so you can actually get people down to earth and we could actually get the economy back open. And then mm-hmm. also, if you test positive, don't Stay walk the out the field with your teammates to celebrate your World oh Series. Oh my gosh. Don't. Because, right. Your team, Mm-mm. the LA Dodgers. Mm-mm. Like, it's just so many kinds of Tom Furley. Like, I don't understand how he's not suspended forever from the MLB after that. Like, because he literally tried to kill people. Like it may seem well, like no, innocent. He won't, he won't say that he was trying to kill people. He'll say That's he was just doing. trying to celebrate. I mean, it's reckless. Like if you get in your car when you're drunk and drive around, like you're not going out to kill people on purpose, but you're being reckless. You're showing reckless. Um, Endangerment. Right. Yeah. He is suspended indefinitely until further notice and may never be able to play again. Like that is the. Wait, has he been, has he been no. suspended or no? As, as far as I know, they've been looking into it. Like, I don't understand how they're trying to like, you know, it's, 
it was already risky enough to have the league come back with the coronavirus. But like when mm-hmm. people just test positive and then refuse to stay away for a couple hours, like, like I don't understand how he's just not just like say, hey, like you're cut off, like in depth because yeah, it's. Oh, here's what his his teammate Mookie Betts said this. He's part of the team. Forget all that. He's part of the team. We're not excluding him from anything. Now, I'm going to I'm going to post um posit that this Betts was saying that in the heat of the moment. No, we're not gonna exclude him. We just won, blah, 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 blah this, that, and the other. But my I sensibility understand. is like, bruh, stay over there. We'll sh- Photoshop you into the pictures. But we want you to be here and us to be here to celebrate in 14 days and not in the ICU. Thank you very much. That's the thing. I understand that they want to, they want them. It's a big, huge thing. There's a lot of emotion. They work really hard to do what they do. But you could literally have killed one of your teammates or their parents or their grandparents or their children. So like you say, just you have to be an adult and say, I can't participate in this in-person celebration because I might kill somebody if I do. Because that's the thing that people aren't really taking it serious. Yeah. No, that's the thing. People aren't taking it serious. Yeah. I'm I'm still, I can't watch the, I can't watch the NFL anymore because the stupid referees take their masks off to announce penalties. Like that's why we have hand signals or, (laughs) right. So, or just have like someone else repeat it. Cause I can just from the hand signals, I can tell you exactly what the, what the call is, right? And I'm not a professional. So all the announcers should be able to call out what the foul is yep. and for which team. Just keep, because it gives a signal of you only have to wear the mask sometimes, as opposed to just keep your mask on, people. If you're <laughs> around other people, just keep it on. It's not that hard. Yeah, no, it is that hard, Khalil. If it was easy, then everybody would be doing it. The other but countries get it done. And I want to be yeah. like China where we're back in the club partying. <laughs> you always bring up China in the club. You really need to be in the club right now, don't you? No, but like, I'm saying like, it's because we keep acting like, oh, that we have this constitutional right and we need to reopen. We need to do this. Yeah, do the things so we can reopen. I mean, I mean, yeah. Uh, here, 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 here. Khalil for president. <clears throat> that that makes no. The thing is, I'm not like well, I'm, I'm, I am a genius for other reasons, but I didn't say all that. But for this one, that. it's not. You don't have to be a genius. Like it's just basic, basic epidemiology. Like it's and basic e- economics. Like if there's a pandemic going on, less people are going to go out and do things that stimulate the economy. So if you control it then there'll be actually more people going out buying things, which is what drives the economy. Yeah. To go back to Justin Turner in in the MLB, like there's this thing called COVID fatigue. I think you mentioned it earlier. Like everybody's getting tired, so we get a little bit lax. Right. And also like um, I'm going to have to give a shout out to Thomas Dobbs, Dr. Thomas Dobbs, Mm. who is uh, a health official in Mississippi and he just came out and said it. Oh, yeah. Like massless white people in Mississippi are what's driving the COVID increase. Yeah. Because we're yeah. just listening to politi- politicians instead of instead just doing of, what we need to do. And he just came out and said it. Yeah. Yeah, no, big props to him. Big props to him. I just I just hope Justin Turner will. I know there's an open letter in the New York Times. Um, I don't know when, maybe yesterday or the day before. Um, that was penned to him. Uh, there has no, been no news from the MLB as it relates to this. 
I, I, I'm not saying that this should be big national news, but I take it as one instance where somebody's careless mistake, careless behavior um, could potentially lead to more people getting sick and potentially dying. It is like a super spreader. It's like what number 45 does every time he holds a rally. It's he is exposing people not only to freezing temperatures and pretend, uh, potential, you know, damaging consequences due to hypothermia, that is it's too cold in your body to survive, but also the coronavirus itself. Like the, these are careless behaviors. I remember um, Novak Djokovic, who I love, who plays tennis, he had a party and from that party, a bunch of people had gotten, or a, a few people had gotten the coronavirus, and you know he he apologized and whatnot. It was a it was a careless thing to do because they were maskless, having fun and whatnot. That's careless behavior. And if you really call yourself a lover of humanity, or you care about people, or you're a good person, a nice person, whatever positive label you want to be, this is the time to show that you really care by putting on a mask, not a political statement not a political statement. It's just, I care about my life and I care about yours. Okay. If you don't care about your life, if you don't care about somebody else's life, care about yours enough to put a, a mask on so that somebody else who might have the cooties doesn't infect you. How about that? The cooties, G, the cooties. The cooties. Cause that's what people are acting like. Like it's like cooties or something like, you know, no, in fact, not everybody's acting like that. Not everybody's acting like that. And maybe everybody should. Right. Like it's the cooties. Right. I mean, it, Wash your damn hands. it's all kinds of, all kinds of cray. So I wanted to say something, um, on the note of our, um, Black Lives Matter before Black Lives oh, Matter. Yeah. <laughs> hit it in before, before we get it in. Cause Chisara um, is busy and has to go to class cause she don't got enough. No, I mean, she that's, that's how learning. we do. She has to do more learning. How many graduate degrees you got? Uh, five. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I thought five. you only had three. Three, four. Wait, hold on. Five. So wait, so we got the MD. The yeah, MD, I got my master's in psychology. Oh, I didn't know you. I got my master's. Wait, hold on. When did you get your master's in psychology? <laughs> I don't know. That's life experience. I can add degrees just based on life experience. I'm a master in psychology. So, so did you really get a master's in psychology? No, no, I did not. Oh, I did not. I'm like, wait, wait a minute. What? <laughs> Back it up. Stop being a homie. No. It's bad enough you don't no. crime mob. You know what I mean? I was busy in my books, bruh. <laughs> like my mom said, she was like, education is the most important. Education, that's what we told you. I like, I got my education. See, that's where my mom messed me up too. My mom should have said like, you need to find someone with a trust fund and marry them. That's what she should have said. The reason you're going to all these fancy schools and getting all these higher learning is because there's some people with money up in them schools. You need to right. latch onto one and live the good life. Oh my, well, you know, that's what people went to college for and to medical school, even our medical school. It's your, it's your MRS degree. Right. See, my grandfather gave me a hint about it. He always said, hey, next time around, choose your ancestors better and you won't have these money problems. But what he should have just said is, look, you did good. You got some educated parents. You're going to, you're smart. They taught you how to read. You read for fun. So you can get into these little good schools. Um, but actually, he also told me also like, so. Basically, back in the day, only wealthy people went to college, of course. So everyone ma mm -hmm. majored in philosophy because right. like, you just went there to think and learn how to think, kind of. And then after, yeah. after companies realized that people would pay for their own training, that's when schools started having engineering and other yeah. majors where you're actually just learning how to work. And you're paying for your own training instead of you having to go to work for a company and the company having to like pay to educate you. 
But I should have thought about that and said, hey, wait a minute. I need to go to major in psychology instead of the science stuff or like <laughs> psychology, but philosophy. And that way I could, philosophy, right. exactly. that's where the people with trust funds are. Right. You know how to think. So what, mm-hmm. what are your other degrees? I only got three. What are your other degrees? I know. I, I only have four. What's your fourth uh, one? Really, that's four. The four, my bachelor's. Oh, mm-hmm. so you, you added all these extra. I was like, okay. Extra? Look, we paid money for that degree. We studied. We stayed. We had one all-nighter to get that degree. Degree. <laughs> no, I, was, I thought you said you had extra ones. I thought there was extra ones. I thought it was, no, no, was like no, two. So I was all worried. That's it. But it was, I no, I've been educated in multiple places with right. certificates and all that crap. But okay. like, you know, actual degrees, like, no. It was funny because I was I was talking to someone and I was like, yeah, you know, my friend with all the degrees, right? And they're like, mm, uh-huh. you have a lot of those. <laughs> like, what's <Yeah>. going <laughs> You do. We do. We are an educated bunch, yo. Yo, it's for it's for real. It's for real. <laughs> like one of our friends, like he's gone. He has done so. People talk about me doing so many different things. This man has done everything. I don't know how he's done it. Jones. Yes. Like, yeah. That's why. And that's why I actually was talking about. But the other thing is it Chi? Is it Clarence? No, it's you. Like, no. It's you, bruh. It's you who has done everything no. in your life. You have lived 20,000 lives in your one life. Right. And you know he's about to be in, well, he's going to um, go into politics soon. So, he's Of course be, he is. He's going to be running. Of course he is. He is a great guy. No, I was thinking of him the other day and I was just like, oh yeah, you know, there are people out there. And the reason why I was thinking of him, there's, there are people out there who have gone so non-traditional when it comes to the MD and I'm here for it because that is, right. that is, that's me. That's him. There's a, there's a lot of us out there. Heck, it was it was odd for us to be like, oh, wait, you're going to get an MPH on top of the medical degree? What do you need that for? Whatever. Oh, and go back to your, you know, when you asked me about the mm-hmm. the not being as Black thing. So I was, I was listening mm-hmm. to your um, podcast, The Joy Well, mm-hmm. and I was actually going to talk to you about that. Oh, thank you. Oh, my God. He listened. Look at you. You and your cousin were talking about like being right. like nigerian immigrants and not mm-hmm. fitting in with the black community as well as other black people mm-hmm. yeah so i felt you with that and we'll talk about it on another yeah. one but yeah 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 um oh, look i do have felt that way but anyways are we gonna talk about mlk or not uh it, no we're gonna talk about blm before it was blm right. no so he yeah he, yes, MLK? no 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 Mm-mm. oh okay. i thought you were gonna talk about me. yeah i did i did i changed my mind this is a liar she's a liar <laughs> Wait, is there is there a lemonade, ice, and rum? Mm-hmm. Lemonade, ice, and rum. What? Lemonade, ice, and rum. What are you talking about? <laughs> he said sugar, honey, iced tea. So I said lemon, lemonade. <laughs> so sugar, honey, iced tea is an actual song. Right. And so is mine. I made it up. <laughs> L I A R, you dumb. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Oh my I god. You. I got you. So gotta edit this out. <laughs> I'm here with you. I'm here with you. I'm following. I'll follow. Thank you. Uh, anyway, BLM four is BLM. Doctor <laughs> Asamoga is gonna go ahead and educate us. Go ahead. Thank you. So we're going to talk a little bit today about Bob Moses, Robert Bob Moses, who was raised in Harlem, New York, educated at Hamilton University and at Harvard University. Wait, let me make sure of that because <laughs> look at my notes. Is he, is he Edwin Moses' cousin or no? 
That's what I want to know. Okay, so now you got me. Who is Edwin Moses? He was a he was a hurdler from back in the day. He held the world record in hurdles for a while. Oh wow! How did you know that? Because I ran hurdles, Chi. Like oh hurdles? Was- no, 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 no. You know what? When you said hurdles, you know what I thought? What I heard was shot put. I saw the hurdle, but I immediately went to shot put, and I was like, "When did you do shot put?" I knew you did hurdles. I don't even want to go down that road. Just go ahead and back to, back to your boy Bob Moses <laughs> because. I'm not ready. For, I'm not ready for you this morning. I'm not. Oh my God. Anyway, okay. Bob Moses, born in 1935 in New York City's Harlem, went to Hamilton College in upstate New York and then went to Harvard, but had to leave Harvard early because his father died and his mother got ill, or his mother died and his father um, became ill. So he began teaching in uh, in a an elementary school slash middle school in, in uh, New York City um, for a, a couple years. But in the, the couple years that he was doing that, he had met with Ella Baker. Ella Baker, who we're going to talk about at some point, is basically goddess of BLM before it was BLM, because she's the one who's basically meeting folks and sending them to, um, deploying them to different parts of the country to help with the civil rights um, effort okay, and the civil rights push. So um, Bob, Bob Moses had been sent by Ella Baker down south, and he was essentially one of the founding members of SNCC, SNCC, the Student National... Um, right, 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 right. Coordinating Committee. Thank you. The Student National Coordinating... I was like, the Colored Committee? Like... <laughs> she had a gummy this morning. She had a gummy this morning. I saw it. You got to apologize. She's on one. Oh, my God. Oh, goodness. Anyway, so we started organizing and basically founded the, the Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party. Like all of this stuff you can you can look at online. But the reason why I wanted to bring him up today was because of some an interesting project that still goes on today called the Algebra Project, right? So after he left Mississippi, he actually moved overseas with his family to Tanzania up until about the mid seventies and then moved back to um, the United States, Uh, had set up shop in Cambridge, Massachusetts because he was doing his uh, PhD in philosophy at Harvard. So he ended up returning to to Harvard to get a PhD. And um, while he was there, he was working, he was like helping his daughter with some homework and realized that, you know, they weren't being taught algebra and he loves math. This is Bob Moses is a math guy. Like that, that is his thing. He loves numbers, abstract numbers, whatever it is. He's like into it and realized that they weren't teaching the black students basic algebra stuff that like other students in other more uh, privileged parts or affluent parts of, of society were getting. And so he started the algebra project basically first tutoring his own daughter. And then the teacher, the teachers, um, the teachers in her classroom were like, wow, I really like what you're doing. Maybe you can work with some more kids. And so he worked with three more kids and then word got out and he was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to start the algebra project. And basically that spread from the Northeast, New England, Massachusetts, all the way down South. And it was, he was seeing uh, mathematics as a tool towards um, equality a tool towards equality. In fact, what he was saying was math literacy, like reading and writing is necessary for full citizenship. And he was like, it's like, 
he used um, the analogy of the sharecropper. It was like, we're growing the equivalent of sharecroppers in our inner cities because kids are not only not able to read, they're not able to do basic math, like basic math. Forget like, you know, addition, subtraction, multiplication, but some of those abstract ways of thinking that help you even with your own portfolio, your own investment portfolio, things like that. So he used a very student-centered approach to to learning, like using real life um, experiences, like being in New York, you'd be on the subway, or maybe in Boston, you're on the train, what have you, and using those sorts of real life experiences to help make math very abstract mathematical concepts clear to young people. Um, So I thought that was really cool. In 1982, he received a MacArthur Genius Award for that work to help actually push that work forward. And that's $500,000 genius grant is what he used to solidify the algebra project. So you guys should, oh, nice. should check that out. But it's, it, despite all the stuff that about him did. before, no, I was going to say my summer job in college, it was working for the Luis Valdez summer math Institute. Oh, it was very see. similar. So there's this uh, Cuban immigrant who moved to the mm-hmm. yay. And he was teaching, he was a math professor. So he got, he mm-hmm. ended up getting his credentials um, here as well. And he was teaching math in high school. And there were no Latino or African-American students in those classes. And the administration mm-hmm. basically told him that, you know, coloreds can't do math. So that's why we put them all right. in math. So he actually started teaching middle school kids mm-hmm. how to, you know, the basics of math to make sure that they were eligible for algebra one in high school Mm -hmm. and then ended up growing into a, and he just did it like one little school or whatever, but then ended up growing Mm -hmm. into a thing where they actually started teaching algebra one geometry, um, et cetera, in, in the summer as well. Mm -hmm. So I actually took a year of that summer class in high school and did geometry. So I ended up, you know, getting ahead or whatever. And then, wow. and then the summers, like every year, I actually was a teaching assistant for their program Mm -hmm. for middle school kids. And it was basically like, you know, just teach them like, like fractions, Mm-hmm. Um, decimals, multiplication, basics, so that way that they will all be eligible for um, for high school algebra one, algebra two, making sure you can make it into calculus and finish calculus in high school. But it was awesome, like being in teaching, because they they opened it up to basically all underprivileged students in mm-hmm. the yay. And at that time, there was actually a lot of Asian immigrants that were actually eligible because mm. they were coming. They were coming as refugees where they hadn't gone to school where they were before. They weren't necessarily in the best classes here. English was an impediment because they learned English later on, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But anyways, it was a great program. But it's basically similar to what Bob Moses did. I can't believe I've never heard of him. Right. Yeah. Because of the same thing. Yeah. Like you give, if you give students an opportunity, all students, no matter what race, color, creed, exactly. um, and background, they will succeed when they're giving the tools. Succeed. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that's uh, that's the point that he was making. And that's the point we're still trying to make now. If you give us the opportunity, we'll do it. Uh, uh, A note to parents. And I, you know, I don't I don't know if all parents know this, but I'm going to speak to to parents, especially immigrant parents. Um, Our school system still tracks and maybe they don't track like they did back in the 60s, 70s and 80s, nearly as much where basically by the third grade, you're going to be put into the remedial classes versus the honors classes versus the AP classes. I would advocate, look at your kid's schedule, <laughs> even now that we're in a pandemic, right? Like look at your kid's schedule, push, push, and- push the teachers and the the administration to allow your kid to learn not just the basics, but to advance because they do this mess on purpose. But- like I, when I was in ninth grade, I'll t- this is the reason why I have to say it. When I was in ninth grade, 
these jokers <laughs> were putting me in classes like basic math 1A, you know, yeah. like all this. And I was like, basic math 1A, what is that? No, I need to. And I had already seen what I need to do just to get into UCLA, right? They tell right. us, this is what you need to get into UCLA. This is what you need to get into a Cal State, right? And basic math 1A was not on there, right? And, and I had already, this is the worst. I had already taken algebra two as in the eighth grade. right? So I was like, look, I don't even need algebra. Just put me in geometry right now. Like I had to fight with them. And I said, no, all of my classes are going to be honors classes where there's an AP class. And I don't even know where I got this information from, Khalil, because it's not like my parents were educated in the American system. They were in the British West African system, right? No. So I was like, I need AP classes. <laughs> I need honors classes. Fought with these people until they gave me what I wanted. Like that was yeah. me advocating for my education. So my, Not my, all kids yeah. can do that. So that's the other thing I'm glad you brought up because you're not tracked based also on your actual ability. So my mother actually no. had to transfer me to a different school. Because wow. I was placed into the link, like, what is that? Language arts three and reading comprehension. Mm -hmm. That's not an actual English that's counted to be eligible to go to college. So if I would have went to the high oh. school I was supposed to go to, I wouldn't have been eligible to apply for college because of the English that I was put in. Mind you, wow. I was reading at a college level in the seventh or eighth grade because my mother always gave me books as presents and I re read them all the time. So I thought it was fun. Yeah. But the principal didn't like me and put me into that class and wouldn't, they refused to actually change the track. And it was funny because my mom actually got me transferred to the other school. The school I was supposed to go to didn't bother to release my records because they didn't want to release me, blah, blah, blah. They were trying to fight. Right. Policies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Other policies. Right. So they had to, like, school I was going to just had to test me. They're like, all right, well, we're just going to, you're going to take a placement test for your first day of class, your first right. day of school. And then, yeah, I was put in the honors English class. <laughs> Can you imagine though? But like this, this is what it this is what it took, and 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 I'm I'm sorry it took that like right like that you have to advocate this. They should not be looking to just track us into these spaces that we don't belong in. Maybe they should ask us, you know. Maybe they should do a test for all of us. Maybe I don't I don't know. But like at least advocate. Look at your kid's schedule, kids. If you're listening. Look at your schedule. Do you where do you want to be in your life? If you're talking about like, oh, I like physics, and they don't put physics on, or there, there's no science whatsoever on your on your 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 course, your yeah. schedule, like, yo, like you check that out because they're just they want to make sure. Look, they're gonna get money for for you anyway every time you attend school, but make it valuable for you. Right now, it's free, so demand the best. So that you can be on on a playing field with some of the rest of these folks, you know, like a level playing field until we get our act together and create an actual good public school system. And it's all kinds of tomfoolery that you and I, who ended up having multiple graduate degrees, were tracked into a non-college bound yes! track in high school yes! and in had school. to do extra things just to be eligible to go to college. Unfreaking real. And the worst part is like, there's a long story, but I like, and so I was in the principal's office and the principal was trying mm -hmm. to say that the reason that you're in the science class is because you're like in remedial, blah, blah, blah. You don't know anything. And then. <laughs> Wait, was this high school or middle school? No, this was middle school. And then, you know, this California has a, what they call the CBEST testing where they. Yeah, CBEST. Oh my God. So she's oh. like, pull out your CBEST scores, right? And mm -hmm. my lowest actual like ranking was like being in the equivalent of like the 11th grade in the sixth month of school. Like everything else was like 12th grade level of everything. Like I've, I basically, right. I basically already had enough 
like to be in college, right? To have already finished high school. (laughs) So, but then she didn't bother to change the track, right? So she's trying to act like, oh, this kid's like a bad, like you know, behavior problem. When actually that day, I was actually not the behavior problem with someone else. But that's another story. But it's just so funny that she didn't bother to actually change the track I was in, knowing that there is a student, and it's actually this actually illegal. It's actually federally illegal to track a student outside of where they're testing. So she realizes what she was doing was illegal, didn't rectify it, and tried to perpetuate it into, like, into... Yeah. And it was funny because I actually saw her when I was actually teaching for the Valdez Institute. I saw her mm-hmm. one day randomly at one of the colleges because we, like, taught at college or whatever. And she's like, oh, hey, how are you doing? What are you up to? I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm pre-med in college. She's like, huh? I was like, yeah, write <laughs> what you tried to do. <laughs> I, I'm, on a, just... I'm on an academic scholarship because <laughs> I was right. a natural maritime list. And right. yeah, I'm going to be a doctor. What? Yeah, what? Like, nah, man, we got mm. We have to advocate for ourselves until the system is, there's a system created that ensures that all of us are t- treated equally. I did want to say y'all should check out The Shop with LeBron. I always love watching that show, but the one with um, Barack Obama was great. Oh, I still never um, it basically said black people, y'all need to vote. Black men, y'all need to vote. <laughs> so, and, and not for Yeezy and not for Trump. Yeah. And not, no, if you have not voted yet, you still have just under 48 hours to, to vote. Please do. Make it happen, Captain. Please do. Make it happen. So vote. And take care of yourself election day and for the week following because it's going to be crazy. <laughs> it's going to be crazy. Just take care of yourself. If y'all want to hear about some self-care tips, you can go to the Joy Well, my podcast um, on Tuesday. We'll be dropping some, some stuff to help you get through election week. So what will you have done for Halloween by the time this thing is? So I'm going wine tasting and then I'm going to break out the smoker and I'm going to do a reverse seared steak. And if you all don't know about the reverse sear, like it's going to change your life. But anyways, that's my Halloween activities. I ain't really doing oh Halloween. God. I, I carved pumpkins with my son last week, um, but he's with his, he's with his mama today. So he's going to be, he's in a Spider-Man suit. Oh, that's so but, cute. But, yeah, nice but yeah, my, my Halloween is not a non-traditional Halloween because I can't really do a party. It is what it is. I have a small party. But you're staying safe. See, that's the important thing. It's not like you're inviting a whole bunch of people over for a Halloween party. Well, I'm still having fun, but I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not attending or having a super spreader event. I mean, that's what we got to call them now. Super spreader events. Every party is a super spreader event unless everyone was tested and was negative and has stayed clear of other people for at least 14 days. Like, uh, Kim Kardashian West party where she flew out all her people. (laughs) That's the only way to have a party now is have everybody tested and then quarantine for 14 days and then get tested right before they leave for wherever they're going and then meet. Mm -hmm. That's the only way to safely meet these days. Yeah. That's, that's doing too much. All I gotta say, that's doing too much. (laughs) Anyway. All right, Joe, I have to go. Or keep it tight. Hold it down one time for the West Side. This is the Chi and Khalil Show. Thanks for listening. Make sure you holler at us and on Instagram and Twitter and all that. Yo. Peace. <laughs>